I want to begin a series uh, that that I felt like the Lord really gave to me, and uh, I'll explain a little bit about that. And the the, the uh, name of the series, or the title of the series, is called If. 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 There it is. Everybody say if. So this is a, one of the biggest little words in the Bible, and uh, I want to talk about this. I want to kind of share a little bit about it. Like back in September, I remember actually the day it was, I was awakened with a dream, and in my dream, I kept hearing, it wasn't so much what I saw, but it was what I kept hearing in my dream, and I was hearing this phrase that I heard from a college friend years ago back in the 80s. And uh, he was famous for saying this, and I kept hearing this over and over. If is the middle word of life. If is the middle word of life, L-I-F-E. Like if is the middle word. And it's supposed to be ironic because not only is it literally the middle word of the word life, but life is full of ifs. Like if I would never have done that, or if only I would have taken that job, or if I would have gone to, or if I wouldn't have married this person sitting next to me, or whatever. Life is full of ifs. And um, then in my dream, somebody said to me, Tim, what are you going to be preaching about? And I said, just without any hesitation, I'm going to be preaching on if. Well, I woke up from that dream, and I was thinking, I'm probably going to be preaching a series about this. And then it never happened. And this was back in September. And then a couple of days after I had that dream... I was watching on YouTube, and on my feed came up this preacher. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Rod Parsley. He pastors a church over in Ohio as a Pentecostal preacher. And he was just explaining that he had just newly released a book entitled, and this is what struck me, the title of the book was entitled Revival If. And, and when I heard that, no, don't bring it up yet, Sherry. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Okay. Um, so you didn't see that. Remember that. You didn't see that. So anyway, uh, he said he was talking about revival if, and, and I purposefully did what I just did to Sherry. I turned off the TV because I didn't want to hear any more, and I didn't want to read his book, and I didn't want to hear what he had to say because I felt so impacted at that moment by that because of the dream and then what he said. Then a couple of days after that, I uh, was listening to another preacher on YouTube, and uh, he made a statement in his sermon that I thought was really powerful. And he said, God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of conditions. Meaning that if God gives a promise with a condition, it doesn't matter who you are. If you don't follow the condition, you don't get to experience the promise. Amen. Let that sink in. There are some ifs in the Word of God, like if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Implying that if you do not receive and believe upon Jesus as your only Lord and only way of salvation, then you are not saved but that you must believe upon Him who lived, died, rose again to give you life 
And so if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're saved. I just want to remind you, contrary to Disney, all dogs don't go to heaven. Just want to remind you of that. So as I said, <laughs> so as I said, if is the biggest little word in the Bible. It's so small, but it comes with great significance. And if we disregard these if conditions, it can lead to some serious consequences. So I'm going to talk about this over the next couple of days, and I do now, Sherry, you can bring it up. This is my message today. I do want to steal Rod Parsley's, even though I didn't read his book or hear his sermon, I do want to steal that idea, revival if, because I think God has given me a word for that. I want to come out of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and let me just read these few verses of Scripture to you. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So we see in that verse of scripture, if, with a then, and um, a condition full of potential and promise. So that's the reading of God's word. Lord, I pray today that you would quicken us with this word. God, that you would speak directly. Lord, I need your presence now in this service in a fresh way. In fact, I just want to pray, God, like Elisha prayed for a double portion. I pray for a double portion, God. Whatever I experienced in the first, I pray for twice that, God, by your mercy and by your grace now. In Jesus' name, amen. So this very famous portion of Scripture found in Second Chronicles comes as a result of the dedication of the newly constructed temple in the Old Testament, Solomon's temple and Solomon had made this great prayer and this great declaration before God and then the Bible tells us if you read the whole passage that when God showed God on the heels of that great dedication prayer when he showed up he literally blew everybody away like fire and glory to the point where people couldn't even enter into the the, the temple at the time but later that night God shows up to Solomon personally and he speaks these words that we read, and basically what the Lord was saying to Solomon is he was reaffirming his covenant that he made with the nation of Israel, his people, and with Solomon, who is now going to be the king. And essentially what the Lord said, that if the people ever stiffen up and walk away from me in rebellion and turn their back on me, they're going to reap devastating consequences to their actions. But if ever or whenever they return to me, then they will also experience a revival and a refreshing of my presence, my power, my favor. God promised Solomon there will always be revival if. And I don't want to come off sounding like a, a negative preacher this morning or I don't want to be hyperbolic uh, about what I'm about to talk about here today. But I do believe that what is needed in the church today is revival. I think what we need here at Abundant Life Fellowship 
is a revival. I don't mean to imply that we are all off on, you know, we've all, you know, just exited the stage and we're all in a bad place. I don't, because God is doing great things and there's some awesome things that God is doing in all of our hearts. And so I don't want to over talk this, but at the same time, I do feel like God wants us to know that what we need is a returning to him and a revival and a refreshing of his presence and his power in our life. In fact, what is what America needs today is the church to get revived. I know you don't like the price of eggs and the price of gas, and I know we're in inflation, but I'm here to tell you that getting, I'm, I'm here to say today that the lowering of inflation isn't the answer to our lives. It is a fresh move of God in our hearts, in our homes, in our churches. That's what the world really needs. The world really needs the people of God to get back to God and get on fire from God. That's what we need. We need a revival. And the Lord said, if you can have it. Amen. There's revival if. Now, listen. The idea would be that we would never need a revival. Wouldn't that be the ideal? The ideal would that we, we would never lose our love, our passion, our dedication, our devotion, our serve. That, that's the ideal. It would be great for us to all be like Jesus, who never needed a spiritual revival. Now, in his humanity, he needed rest. In his humanity, he needed to be refreshed. But he never needed revival in the sense that he pulled away from God and had to get himself back to God. In the ideal world, it would be like that. But how many of you know we don't live in an ideal world? We live in an ordeal. We've, we've, got, we've gotten stuck with a raw deal. And this is what you and I are facing in our lives. And we're human. We're, we're not, we are of Jesus and we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us, but we are still broken vessels, cracked pots. And we leak, and we have our fire, and then the fire diminishes. We have our fullness, and then the fullness diminishes. It doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. It doesn't mean that God has forsaken us. It just means that we're human. And we neglect very often as Christians, and I know I'm not talking to maybe all of you, but some of us in the room, we neglect our great salvation. Oftentimes, and we start drifting away, we still show up to church, we still maybe serve in the church, we still do this or that, We're still, we call ourselves Christian, but sometimes we start drifting off, spiritually speaking, and we need to come back, and, we need to, and that, that coming back is what we call a revival. And we don't even know sometimes that we need a revival until the Lord shows up and reveals it to us, like, you need a revival. That's what you need. You need reviving. This is what Jesus did with five, with this, basically with the seven churches in the book of Revelation. They were all his church, but five of them, the Lord, he came in hot with five of them and basically was saying, I see what you're doing, and I appreciate this about you, but he said, I do have this against you. And five out of the seven churches, the Lord confronted them on specific issues that basically drew them back to, you need a revival. You're my church, 
And I'm writing this book for you to show you how to live in the victory that I brought you into in these last days in which we live. But you aren't going to make it all the way victoriously if you don't get revived. And so, in fact, I, this brings us to the first part of this message. I want to talk about, for starters, why we need a revival. And so I got a lot of stuff to get through, but I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would just help me just do what I need to do, and I'll get you out of here in time for lunch. Oh, 1.32. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Why we need revival. Now, looking at these five out of these seven churches in the book of Revelation, we get some clear indicators or signs that we need revival. And so in the spirit of you might be a redneck if, I want to just kind of present it like this. We might need a revival if in our Christianity we become cold-hearted in our love for God. Jesus said to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2-4, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Jesus was saying to the church at Ephesus, you used to love me with a lot more passion, with a lot more fervor, with a lot more devotion, with a lot more dedication, but you have left your love. You've left your first love. In other words, you don't love me like you used to love me. That's what he's saying. And notice that he said to them, you left your love. You didn't just lose it like you lost your set of keys. But that you forsook it. You let other things come between us. You got distracted by the issues around you. You maybe got overcome by your own emotional frailty. And you started not loving me like you used to love me. And the Lord was saying to the church at Ephesus, what you need is a revival of returning to me with full-hearted devotion and fiery love like you used to have. Amen. Now there's a lot of indicators that might be out there of why to, to prove or to show that we've lost our love for the Lord, but one of them is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know that you don't love me like you should or like you used to, because of your lack of obedience to me. Because Jesus said in John 14 and 15, if you love me, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Do what I'm telling you to do. Be who I've called you to be. Go where I've sent you to go. If I tell you something, then do it. Well, I'm going to get around to it. Well, let me just tell you something. If you're going to get around to it, that is an indicator that maybe your fiery passion for the Lord isn't like it used to be. Amen. I know this isn't playing nice today, but this is God's word to us today. We need revival. We might need a revival today if we can sense in our heart that our heart has grown cool toward the Lord. and We don't love him like we used to. Here's another indicator to the church at Pergamos. That is, we might need a revival if we're compromising the word of God in our Christianity. To Pergamos, here's what the Lord said in Revelation 2, 14 and 15. But I have a few things against you. Now remember, this is the church. This is not people in the world. He said, here's what I got against you. You have there those who hold the doctrine or the teaching of Balaam 
who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. In essence, what the Lord is saying there is you have teaching in your church. You have preaching in your church that is not my word. And you're believing it and you're living it. And my word is an uncompromising word. My word is true word. And you can't just go in and start adopting and adapting my word to fit your life. Your life needs to fit my word. And this is an indicator that we need a revival in our churches when we're making up our own doctrines and our own teachings because it doesn't fit the way I want to live my life. That's a clue we need a revival. You know what we need around here? We need a Bible revival. That's what we need around here. We need to get back to the Word of God and live our lives in accordance with the Word of God. See, right now in the church, we have a lot of people, and I know I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound like a mean or mean-spirited pastor, but there's a lot of people in the kingdom of God today who are more triggered by God's word than touched by it. They get more upset about what's being said. And they don't want to believe that. And they don't, want, they don't like that. And they don't believe that we should think that way. Listen, there is a truth that lasts forever. And a lot of the lies that we're believing and hearing in our lives are not the truth. We've compromised. We need a revival. Come on. We need a Bible revival. You might need a revival if, and this goes along with that compromising the Word of God, if you have become carnal in your living as a Christian. To the church at Thyatira, Jesus said, again, this is his church in Revelation 2.20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Isn't that encouraging that the Lord has something against us? Don't you feel blessed by that right now? He says, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Basically what Jesus was saying to this church is, you have sin in your church and you're tolerating it. You're tolerating sin in your life. Like this church, there are many Christians today who know the truth in their head, but we're not practicing it in our living. And let's just look at the word tolerate for just a second, because they were tolerating sin. We live in a world that preaches tolerance. We need to tolerate. Well, I can go along with this idea that we should be tolerant of sinners for the purpose of winning them over to the Lord. But, everybody say but, <laughs> come on, hang with me, but I can't be tolerant of sin in my own heart. I can 
open my spirit, Paul said, I become all things to all people that somehow, by the grace of God, I can just win somebody to the Lord. That's a good thing. So let's, let's be gracious. Let's be understanding. Let's be caring. Let's open ourselves to people who don't know the Lord so that they can come over to know the Lord. I can be tolerant of sinners, but I cannot tolerate sin in me. Period. Period. It can't be done. If I've got sin in my soul, if I've got sin in my heart, I don't wink at it. I don't sweep it under the rug. I don't act like it doesn't exist. I deal with it. I need a revival. Amen. I need a revival. Paul the Apostle taught us, he said, in Romans chapter 6, he said, what shall we say then? Because the grace of God abounds. How many of you know the grace of God abounds? And better than that, how many of you know that where sin did abound, grace abounded much more? Come on, can I get a good amen out there? Aren't you glad for that? But Paul said, because of God's superabundant grace, shall we continue in sin just because he's a good and merciful God? Forbid it! That's not our place. We don't live like that. We don't walk like that. When God says this is right, that's right. When he says this is wrong, that's wrong. For you too. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of conditions. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? So anyway, I've harped on that long enough. We might need revival if we are living in our carnality. We might, we might need revival if we've become calloused in our heart, hard-hearted. To the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said to them, he says, These things, says he, who has the seven spirits of God. Notice that phrase, seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He said, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain and are ready to die. You're not only dead, you're still dying. That's how bad it is. He says, for I have not found your works perfect before God. And that phrase when Jesus said, that, he said, these things says he, referring to himself, who has the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God is a revelation way of talking about the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, so he's like, okay, I have, I, from me comes the Holy Spirit fire and power and life-giving energy that you need. And you really need it because you're dead. And the reason why you're dead, Jesus said, as my church, whom I love, whom I've given myself for, you're my church. But he says you're dead. And the reason why is you don't depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going through the motions of doing religion and showing up and doing church without power. Without full dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Listen, church, if we're going to make any difference in this world, we can't attract the world through entertainment. We're not good at it. Amen. And we can't... Okay, I, we are good at it? Okay. So... We don't want to be good at it. Let me just say it that way. We want the power of God from on high. We want the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. But see, this church, the reason why they were dead is he says, you're going through the motions, but your works are not perfect. You're serving, you're doing, 
but you're not dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that there are times in my weak moments and in my weak days when I am stressed about ministry that I start thinking, I got to go somewhere, I got to find a sermon. That's my, that's, that's my temptation. I'm just being honest with you. But I don't need to find a sermon. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to get a word. But the temptation becomes very real. And sometimes that's how we live our Christian life. We just got to try to find something to fill in the gaps and to fill in the void. But no, you don't need that. What you need is more of the Holy Spirit. You need a revival. Amen. We might need a revival. This is the last one I want to talk about. We might need a revival if our Christianity has become complacent or we become complacent in our Christianity. To the church at Laodicea, Jesus said in Revelation 3.16, So then, because you are, what's the word? Because you are lukewarm, Jesus said, you're neither cold, you're not hot. He said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Now this is his church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this church was a church that lived in a culture that had all the wealth and the riches that the world could offer. Sounds an awful lot like the United States of America. And because they had all the stuff that they could ever want or need at their fingertips... I can order, I can shop here, I can get coffee here, I can show up to Walmart and they bring bags to my car from here. I can do all this from here. I, I, it's, almost like, it's almost like we live in a culture that where we, you know, we, oh yes, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, but when the rubber meets the road, ultimately, we don't say it like this, but we don't need God. We don't need Him like we once did. Because we have everything at our fingertips. We have everything that this world has to offer. And I know, listen, I know, oh, Tim, you don't understand my problems. Let me tell you something about your problems and my problems. They're first world problems. We don't have problems. Go to Asia. Go to some of these uh, Middle Eastern countries where there's, there's dictatorship and where people are dying just because of either their gender or because they're a Christian or what. We, listen, we have problems. I get it. I understand it. But we don't really have those kind of problems. We got first world issues. We figure out how to make our life work. And, we, and again, as a church, as a Christians, we, we would never say, we would never deny the Lord. We believe in the Lord, but it's almost like we don't need him. We figure it out. We make it work. We make it happen. You know what we need? We need a revival of dependency and crying out to God. Because it's that attitude that's caused us to become lukewarm. And here's what Jesus said. And this is, this is the startling thing. He said it in the other translation. He said, I'm just, I, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Now, <laughs> that means... I don't, like that. I don't like the taste of that. It's not pleasing to me. It doesn't set with me. 
And sometimes the Lord has to talk straight so that we're awakened to what we need. Amen. You guys okay? It's almost over. <laughs> oh, there's one in every crowd. So, those are reasons why we might, there's probably a, a lot of others. Complacency, callousness, coldness of heart, compromising the word, being carnal in our behavior. Those are all reasons why we need revival. But how do we experience revival? Well, I, this is where I want to come back to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, because in that passage, if you remember, let me get back to it. I just want to read it. Here's what, here's what the Lord said to Solomon. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, everybody say humble, and pray, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Okay, so there it is. There's the four, that's a four-point sermon right there. This is a sermon in a sermon. And here it is. Here's what God says. We need to humble ourselves. In other words, the way to experience revival, number one, is we need to stay broken before God. To stay broken before God. One of my favorite pastors from years ago was Jack Hayford. And Jack Hayford said, and I heard it when I was a young, just starting out in ministry. And I heard that man who preached to thousands uh, every week. And he said, the number one thing that you and I will have to do as a Christian is stay broken before God. Don't ever think, don't ever think that you have all the answers or that you can figure it out or that you don't need God or that you don't need the things of God or the Word of God. You need God. And in order to experience God, you've got to stay broken and humble before God. In fact, here's what Isaiah 57, 15 says, For, this, for thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in high and holy places. Where does God dwell? High and holy places. Watch this. I dwell in high and holy places with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Did you catch that? You know, God is in a high and holy place. But the people who are humble are with him. That's where humble people are. They're in a high and holy place because God resists the proud, but he gives grace and he lifts up the humble and brings them into his presence. The best place you can be is broken before God. If you're struggling in your callousness or in your carnality or in your compromising or in, in your complacency, the thing that you and I need to do is to run and fall down at the feet of Almighty God. Be broken. Be broken before Him. You said, I was broken yesterday. He's not going to take me back. Oh, yes, He will. The place you go to is brokenness and contrition. And humility of heart, because that's the only way you're going to get lifted up out of that muck and that mire. Stay broken before God. Number two, 
We need to continue in prayer to God. He said, if my people will humble themselves and pray. I love what the Lord said to Solomon right after verse 14. He said these words in 2 Chronicles 7, 15 and 16. He says, right now, Solomon, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. You know what? We don't live under the old beautiful temple and tabernacle of Solomon, but now we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what the Lord's promise was to them, we can make application for us here today that if we are a praying people, if we are a people who seek God and humble ourselves and reach out for God, that, the, that, the, that same promise, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. I'm so thankful that when I get myself in a place where I need a move of God and I need a revival that I can go back, I can run to prayer and God will hear me. But even better than that, I can stay in a place of prayer and just get refreshing and not need revival every other day. Come on out there. If we stay in a place of prayer, calling out to God, Depending upon the Lord. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is the act of dependence upon God. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. He said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. You know what he's saying there? Keep on being renewed so you don't have to have a revival all the time. Oh, come on now. I'm, I'm barking up your tree. He said... He said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. How do I do that? Well, here's, it's right here. Watch these four things. Watch this. It's right here in the Bible. This is what you get when you read the Bible. He says, here's how you keep your fervor. Keep serving the Lord. Well, I'm really tired. I need a break. Give me a break. You don't need a break. You need to keep serving. Amen. Be joyful in hope. Well, I don't feel joy. Well, be it anyway. Be patient in affliction. It's too hard. It's too painful. But you've got to be patient. You can't quit. You can't walk away. You can't run away. It's really difficult. It's really hard. You just got to... You got to be patient. You know what that means? You got to wait there. You ever been to the doctor's office and there and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Have you ever been there? Come on. And then you see people come in after you and they make it through. Yeah. <laughs> Patience. That's how you keep your fire, but also he said here to be faithful in prayer. The way you keep the fervor, the way you keep the zeal is you keep serving even though you don't feel like it. You keep being joyful even when you can't see a reason why. You keep being patient even though it's painful. And you keep praying because prayer changes things. And first of all, it changes you. And everybody in your world knows you know, you're the one that needs to change. Amen. 
I know you think he needs to change, but you need to change. I got to quit. I got to hurry. Let me just say it that way. Here's the, 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 is it this third, the third thing? We need to pursue intimacy with God. This is how we experience revival. Pursue intimacy with God. So what we've looked at is stay broken before God, continue in prayer to God, pursue intimacy with God. This is what he meant when he said, seek my face. In the Hebrew, the word face is also translated presence. What the Lord is saying is, seek my presence. Seek me. Seek me for me. Don't seek me for what you can get from me necessarily. You're going to get things. That's the side benefit. But seek me. Seek my face. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found of you, declares the Lord. You need to seek the face of God. I need to seek the face of God. This is how revival happens. Is that I'm seeking the presence of the Lord. I said this, I go, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share this real quick, but this morning when I was, got up to go pray and, or you know, to kind of study, go over my notes and spend some time with God, and I was in prayer, I had the lights out, had the music on, I had my little phone, you know, because, you know, I have my phone, you know, like all of us, and I throw on music, soft music in the background, I can't have words, it distracts me, and so I'm praying, but I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling, it feels like the words are coming out of my mouth and going like that. And so I just started praising the Lord. And then it didn't get any better. I just was praising the Lord, but it just felt like I was stumbling over my praise words. And then all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord said to me, I felt this was from the Lord, pray in your spiritual language. And I was literally, I said, I didn't say it, I thought it. I don't feel like it. Like I didn't feel it. I didn't have a goosebump. I didn't feel the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, you know. But the Lord said, I gave you a language, I want you to pray in it. And so I started praying in my spiritual language. I don't know if you ever do this, but as I was praying in my spiritual language, and this happens in normal kind of prayer a lot, but in my spiritual language I was praying and I started, I started thinking about Arizona. I started thinking about a pastor of a church down in Arizona. And I've been to Arizona one time in my life. And I, and I remember the topography of the land. You know, it has this very deserty, very gold-looking, and it has these jaggedy rocks poking out of the sand. And, and I kept seeing that. And I literally, in my mind, I was thinking to myself, oh, sorry, God, sorry. I don't, know why, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm thinking about Arizona, and I'm praying in my spiritual language. And I felt like the Lord said to me, or kind of quickened in my spirit. I didn't hear words, but I felt like the Lord said, no, 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 no. And then I, I remember Paul said, he who speaks in a tongue, pray that he interprets. And I felt almost like the Lord was saying, I'm, I'm showing you something. And so I went back into it. So I went back into my, and I started, and then it got clear. It was desert. It was desert. And I saw desert. Wilderness. And I'm praying. And I did that for a few minutes, and then I broke into a prayer and just praying for, for any of us that feel like we're in the desert, in the wilderness, in a place of dryness where we feel destitute. And I just, you know, was praying that way. And um, 
then, after I was done praying, I had this devotional, a new devotional that a guy in our church has given to me, and it's written by Jonathan Kahn. And, um, and I came to today's, you know, portion, and the first thing I read was the devotional was about the wilderness. <laughs> and I was like, okay, God, I, you got my undivided attention. And I read that, and I was just totally in awe. But one of the things, what, what he said what he drew out of that, because he's a, he's a Jewish believer, and he talked about the Hebrew word for wilderness or desert, what it means. And he said it means to speak. And it's, um, when it's, you know, it means to speak. And uh, I, I can't go into it because I read it once and I can't remember everything. But he said it, that literally wilderness in the Hebrew language means, comes from a root word meaning to speak. And he pointed out how that God uses the wilderness and the desert places to get us alone with him, to speak. It's like we encounter his presence. We hate wildernesses. Can I be on, I'm going to go on the book and say it, I hate it. I don't like spiritual desert places. I don't like it when I don't feel God, see God, experience God. But it's often in those places that I can see the face of God. God speaks to me. God reveals himself to me. See, you're not in such a bad location when you're in a wilderness if that's where God's speaking to you. Amen. And so I guess I wanted to say that that's exactly what Jesus did. If you think about it, at the height of his ministry, when he's casting out devils and throngs of people are coming to him, to hear him, to touch him, to be around him. You know what Luke said in Luke chapter 5, verse 16? It says that he would often send the multitudes away so he could go to a desolate place and pray and be with the Father. That's how he kept himself revived and refreshed and renewed to where he didn't need a revival because he was pursuing intimacy with the Father. And that's what we need today, church. We need to pursue and prioritize our relationship with God. And then the final thing, this is the final key ingredient to experiencing revival, and that is we need to repent of things that take the place of God. This is what he meant when he said, if my people will humble themselves, pray, Seek my face, here it is, and turn from their wicked ways. Come on, smile at me out there. You know, any way, any way in our life that isn't God's way, it's a wicked way. And the Lord said, if you want to experience revival, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that you've humbled yourself I appreciate that you have prayed. I appreciate that you are seeking my face. But you also have to amend your ways. Oh, but I, you know, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, but he also knows the junk. And he's the one who said, you've got to turn from your ways that are not my ways, and that makes them wicked. I'm sorry. 
There's no other way to say it than that. You and I have to go God's way. Which means I have to turn. Now, we understand, if you've been around here, we, we preach a lot about repentance. It means to change the mind. It's not just groveling in the dirt and being sorry about my sin, but it means literally that I change the mind. But I need to also reinforce this idea that I can change my mind, but if I haven't changed my ways, I haven't truly repented. Because if I've changed my mind, then my ways would follow. And we can't just gloss over repentance. Well, I'm really sorry, and I, I, you know, I, I really want to do better, and, I, and I, get, I get the intentionality of that. But listen, you have to change your ways. If you're doing something that God says no to, there's no other option. you got to stop. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I have to stop. I have to do that. We all have to do that. You, why? Because God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of conditions. He said, I've given you a promise, but you've got to hold up your end. I love you. I love you. But I really want you to do what I told you to do. Come, Julie. <laughs> that sounded terrible. My wife, everyone. <laughs> Leonard Ravenhill great old-time evangelist, said, as long as we are content to live without revival, guess what? We will. If we're, if we're content with the state of things as they are, then we'll just go through the motions and be content with the, the way things are. And church, it's time. It's time for us to get revived because what the world needs now, I know well, we, we need a different government. We need a different this. We need the prices to go down. I get all that. I want, I'm going to vote you know, certain ways and I want certain things too. But listen, I know, here's what I know. The answer isn't there. The answer is right here. What God does in me, what God does through me. That's what we need. That's what I need. I think Julie needs her music turned on. Or up or something. Uh, I kept you a little longer than normal, but Julie, let's um, let's let's all stand together. Let's just sing. I'm going to help try to help Julie out. Just lead us in that verse. Could you bring the words up? Come on, church, sing it. Jesus, come be the focus of all our Jesus, come be the center. Jesus, we welcome you here. Jesus, come be the focus of all our praise sing that again Jesus Jesus come be the could you lift your hands with me let's sing it to him welcome you here Jesus 
Come be the focus of all our praise. Jesus, come be the center. Jesus, honor your ear. Jesus, come be the focus of all our praise. For you alone are, you alone, all of our, you are worthy of all our attention. We lift you up, we lift you up. You are worthy of all our devotion. You are worthy of all of our love. You are worthy of all our attention. We lift you up. We lift you up in this place. Could I have the prayer folks, if you would come right now. Um, and we're going to give you an opportunity if you want prayer for anything. We have some individuals here that are more than willing to pray with you about it. In fact, you can begin to come now. If you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you have a need in your life that you need God to touch you, there are men and women here that they, God will speak and move through them and, and touch your life through them. And so if you need a brand new touch today, God is here to meet with you. I'm going to pray, and, and when I'm done praying, you're free to go, but you're also free to come and receive prayer. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you. We want you to be the center of our life. We want you to get all the attention, Lord, and all the glory and all the honor. And Lord, I just pray for every one of us, God, that you would bring a revival in every one of our hearts, that you would not just stir us, but God, that you would transform us, that you would do something in us that we have long been waiting for. God, we've been, it's really what we want, God. Ultimately, it's really what we want and what we truly need. And so, God, we invite you to have your way, have your way in our hearts and in our lives and in this church, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen.